You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney. Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. You're, you know you're uh, uh, good at being a youth pastor relating with teens when you're roasting them in front of their peers, and you know you cross the line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> However, you don't correct it in the moment. You just keep going. And then yeah. later on, you're like, hey, hey buddy, here's a... Is a Pepsi and a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go, Faith by Hearing. It's been a while since we've been with you, but we wanted to come back, make sure we get one of these episodes at the end of the year. Hope that you and your family are having a, a wonderful and Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hard to believe for us that we're already at the end of 2023. Um, it has been quite the year for... Um, my family, I know that's the, the case for uh, for Evan and Derek as well, but it's been, man, it's been a whirlwind. It seems like we hit we hit the summer and everything just went hyperspeed with engagements and uh, Gabe and Trovi moving off to Tennessee and then Gabe and Trovi uh, getting married and school starting back up and vacations and so many other things and we got Evan in here in the in the uh, studio we got Derek and we also have got first time in studio Ethan Delaney in the studio with us so Ethan say hey to everybody what's up everybody how you doing Ethan introduce yourself for those who don't immediately know who Ethan Delaney is when they hear that name um I'm <laughs> how'd you get in this room how'd you get in this room Honestly, I just, I just showed up. I, uh, I, I saw some mics and I said, "It's my time to shine." So okay. uh, I sat down. Ethan is pastor's middle son. Yes. I think is what he meant to say yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yep. Second, and uh, senior in college. Yes, sir. You're finishing up this uh, upcoming semester. Mm-hmm. And what's the plan? What's the plan after this semester? Taking a job. As a youth pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina. All right. Shout out Chris Edwards. Whoop whoop. (laughs) Can you give a shout out on your first? Like, is that allowed, Evan? I guess so. I just we'll give it to him. Okay, we'll give it to him. So it's been uh, it's been an 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 incredible uh, last few months. But what's also exciting? A couple of days from now, we'll have all of our family together, which we're excited about. That, Evan, you got uh, you got plans for the uh, holiday seasons? I do, yeah. We're just a couple of days from flying uh, out to Alabama to get together with my family and spend some time with them. Insert sweet home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll be down there for a week. It's uh, Everyone in my family has met our daughter Vanessa, but I'm sure as anyone who's listening with children knows, especially at that age, things change so fast that we're really excited for them to get to see her standing up and with teeth this time. <laughs> Just everything that's changed since the last time. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're a couple days from that, and we're excited for it. When's the last time? You, like this summer? You yeah, were, over right? the summer. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Derek, you got uh, what's your plans? You're headed? Uh, we're headed nowhere. Staying here. We're staying home. California Christmas. Now, Talk. before all the listeners feel bad for Derek for not headed to see his family, just for the record, he did go at Thanksgiving time. I did go. You want to tell this story, Evan? Entirely unannounced. Completely unannounced. So Derek is, he's an oddly private guy. Very reserved. Yeah, but like not with his whole life. I feel feel like Derek's close friends with everyone in this room. Sure. 
and will gladly tell us some things, some. right? But the what I want to know is the way he selects what he's secretive about. There's a filter. There's a filter that n- has no rhyme or reason to us. Zero. <laughs> Derek will be like, hey, I'm, I need to talk to you about this, and it's deeply personal. But then Derek will also not tell his boss he's leaving the <laughs> state. <laughs> so Jillian, Derek's wife, is in the nursery with Amanda because they're they're good staff wives, so they were taking their turn in the nursery. And um, it comes up in conversation that they're leaving the next day to go to see Derek's family. Amanda comes home and says, I think that's so great that Derek gets to go home and see his family for Thanksgiving. And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know anything about this. She completely ruined the surprise. I was going to bring <laughs> you all back Chicago pizza and, and it got ruined. Yeah, That would have been nice, actually, some Chicago yeah. pizza, but yeah. we didn't get that. We cornered him that night yeah. before church. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we gave him an opportunity to come forward on his own. <laughs> said, Derek, is there something you need to tell us? He did not take that exit <laughs> ramp. He he plays dumb really well, though. I almost believed he didn't even know he was going to Indiana. <laughs> it's quite possible that Jillian made those plans completely <laughs> without Derek. Yeah. Uh, told him the same time that she told us. Yeah. Which, who knows, maybe I am going somewhere for Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> On that note, he might be. We're not for sure. But So that was the uh, that was the Thanksgiving season, and on into Christmas we went. And uh, we, we trust that you guys are getting some time with your family as well. I think we got some uh, Christmas jokes. Is that what we're doing right now? It is. Yeah, I got a couple, right. uh, couple in the chamber. All right, here we go. So, um, Ethan, what do you call a reindeer who also celebrates Halloween? A reindeer. A reindeer. Also celebrates Halloween. That's it. What do you call him? A caribou. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, most Christmas jokes are puns. Yeah. It There's not like a ton of humor yeah. around the Christmas season. <laughs> so I, I'm kind of curious if any of our uh, listeners would have known that answer. Yeah, let us know if you did. Let us know. Drop us a DM. What's surprising to me, and I want to give everyone a shout out. Because as we just acknowledged, it's been a kind of a crazy year. Despite the demand, the podcast was the first thing to go. And through these months and weeks without episodes dropping, I still get regular notifications on the Faith by Hearing Instagram page. Wow. Not not crazy. Not a ton. But there's still followers. I still get messages. What about Evan's mailbox? How's that doing? Evan's mailbox has been a little bit empty. Because Evan's mailbox is based on a call to action, right? We're like, this is what you send to Evan's mailbox. And we haven't said that since July. (laughs) So I got one more staying on the reindeer theme. What does Evan say at Christmas time? Ethan's writing a joke here. What What does Evan say at Christmas time when his mailbox is empty? What does he say? Caribou who? Okay. (laughs) Last one staying on the reindeer theme here. What would your mom be named if she was a reindeer? Ooh. Rude Dolph. <laughs> Rude Dolph, the fat-nosed reindeer. <laughs> well, since Sal. we're talking about your mama jokes. Oh, <laughs> man. Sal, I, Sal. I, I had a friend who would get mad at me for making your mom jokes. And As they tend to do. Wait, mm. it, but he said, we're only allowed to make your neighbor jokes. <laughs> that kid was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever said that was homeschooled. 
All right, Derek, you got you got some jokes here. We got to get off these your mama jokes. Your mama is so fat. <laughs> oh, my God. oh man. Okay, here's what um, here's what we can do. Send us your best yo mama joke. Okay. All right. And the next episode, we will have Evan read the yo mama jokes that made it. That make it. Hit the criteria. And well, here's what we do. Are we gonna add a caveat here? Like make the first line. Yes. Yo mama joke. Yo mama joke. So here's what I'll do, just for the sake of live reactions. If the if the first line is yo mama joke, I'm not gonna open that direct message until we're live. Ooh. So we get good reactions. Ooh. But if if you make that first line yo mama joke, we're gonna leave it on uh delivered. Okay. And we will open them live. I'll read them, get live reactions. So yeah, send them in. Almost eight years ago. All right. Was the first time that I met Derek Wilkerson. I love that you remember that day. I was in seventh grade. And the way he won me over, immediate yes. best friends, Okay, was he just had a plethora of Yo Mama jokes. <laughs> just the whole Is that true? Ride. I do remember going... We were going bus visiting. Bus visiting. Uh-huh. So you just know it a just, lot of Yo Mama jokes. I had a youth pastor who, that was his <laughs> bread and butter. And so, so you just grew up hearing a lot of these jokes and you just kind of committed them to memory. N- not on purpose, but <laughs> So the Christmas, uh, the Christmas season obviously always brings um, brings out the studies in Luke chapter one and two, Matthew chapter one and two, very familiar um, Bible passages that you know a lot of Christians know about. I I always feel like preaching this time of the year. A lot of times when you're you're preaching through like a book series or even just a regular series, you kind of go to you go into Sunday thinking there's a section of this sermon or this passage or this, you know, text that perhaps somebody doesn't know about. And so you, in some ways, you feel like you're helping to, you know, enlighten someone's understanding of the scripture by pointing out a particular truth that maybe they haven't learned or heard. But I always feel like at Christmas time, you don't have that, you know. Um, and in some ways, you feel like the the congregation you're preaching to feels as if they know more about the Christmas story than than even you as the as the preacher as the pastor. So let's let's take a let's take just a, the next few moments on the podcast. Think let's talk that talk about that. Talk about truths uh, truths about the Christmas season from the Christmas story and uh, think about some of the most important truths that Christmas teaches us and the way in which we should anticipate our you know, the coming of the Lord or how we live in our everyday life or even how we look back and, and interpret the past. Any any truth jump off the page to you all? So Derek preached a couple of weeks ago, and I think he did a really good job of highlighting the fact that Jesus at the manger was Jesus who would be on the cross, which I think we sometimes if the Christmas season feels so distant than what we celebrate at Easter or what we celebrate any given Sunday that Jesus gave his life so that we could be set free from sin, set free from death. That is the same Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. So the same Mm -hmm. things we thank him for at Easter, the same things we thank him for when we remember our own salvation story. Um, The humility that he lived with, the humility that he died with was the same humility he was born with. Yeah. Um, And the themes that we see throughout the 
Christmas story that highlight the humility of Jesus, right? The, the unbecoming nature of the way that he was born, the place that he was born, who he was born with, right? The people who even knew he was born. It's all so low-key. That is the way that he would continue to live. That's the way that he would die, and we are the beneficiaries of that. Yeah. Philippians chapter 2 come to, you know, it's come to fruition at that moment, and then he's going to live that humility out for the rest of his life. Um, I think Mark's or uh, Matthew's account, you know, in that he's come to save his people from their sin. This is what this is what he's going to do, and of course, the way he does that is living perfectly, dying sacrificially, and then raising gloriously from the dead. And um, yeah, the cr- Christmas is about Easter. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Christmas is really about, and. Um, of course, we don't always put those two together, right. but what, a, what that's a that's a great reminder. I like to remember Christmas from the point of view of those religious Jews who were always looking for the Messiah, like mm-hmm. people like Simeon and Anna and mm-hmm. Zacharias. Where, like, for us, we see the Christmas story as like in, in a lot of ways the beginning point. Like, oh, this is whenever it starts. Mm-hmm. But for them, like, this is the climax. This is whenever. This is whenever everything's about to happen. Everybody's like everyone who believed that way and who had who had seen the things and been and spoken to by the Holy Spirit, like these people were. They were they were amped up. They were excited. And seeing it from their perspective changes a lot when you you think about Christmas in general and yeah. just this even just the many different characters that that God used to play a part in the Christmas story is. When I think of it that way, it views Christmas from a unique perspective that makes it feel a lot more novel. Yeah, w- without giving too much away, I think um, two weeks from now I'll preach on Simeon. And Simeon is one of my favorite overlooked characters in the Bible, um, just especially around the Christmas season. But, you know, Simeon is presented in Scripture as this, like, older-aged man and and you almost get the idea of like this long white beard and mm-hmm. you know he's kind of he's he's buckled over with age and he walks slowly up the temple and he goes there every day and you kind of wonder like okay the lord told him he's going to see the messiah i mean that's what god told him and how many babies did he see thinking that this has got to be it right until he sees jesus and of course no one announces it to him it's confirmed to him and by way of the spirit in his heart and but he lived his entire life with this anticipation and he's actually a it's it's actually a very convicting example because a lot of ways we think about Christmas and we think only in past tense but Simeon is a reminder that Christmas that with Christmas God is always doing something in the future and so yeah, we should take time to look in the past. And, of course, there's lots of blessings in the present, which Simeon articulates in his song of response to seeing Jesus. But really, the great example from Simeon in our lives and and the convicting point is that I, I don't know that I live my life waking up every day going, God's doing something today. God's doing something today. God's doing something today. And, and ultimately, the, the way that we should live is not expecting the, the first advent or the first coming, but the second. And that's, that's, the, that's the convicting part, you know. 
I don't think I wake up every day thinking, today Jesus might come. But that's the promise of the scripture, but that's also the example that we get from Simeon, which is so, you know, that's a, a such a great truth. Yeah, that kind of brings up something that you preached about the first week that we jumped into the Christmas story, that first Sunday morning after Thanksgiving. You talked about Mary and the way that she learned to, I don't remember how you worded it. Did you say she she trusted God when she didn't know what was going on, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of when she didn't know what to do. That's yeah. the point you brought it to. And then the same thing, that's what the point you made that morning, that God was doing something that Mary didn't fully understand, but she was fully aware of. Yeah. And even though she found herself in a place with her life and her relationships and her family and even her betrothal with Joseph all seemingly shifting around, and she didn't know where it was all going to shake out or where she would fall in social standing or what would happen to her marriage and her family and all these things, she could trust that God was doing something. Yeah. And even when she didn't know what to do or how to proceed, the fact that God was doing something was enough for her, which, yeah. is, which is the same point you make of Simeon. She, she could know the same thing he knew, that God is doing something today. Yeah. No matter how it seems to be affecting my life, I, we are moving towards something. Well, that's the humility that following Christ compels us to. And we think that we know what God is doing. And the, <laughs> just the, the arrogance of that kind of a, of a thought, maybe we wouldn't articulate it that way, but, oh, yeah, God's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and then I'm going to move here, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to have this family, whatever. These aren't bad desires, but when we, when, we, when we move them from the category of desires to what we think are known realities, um, we put ourselves in the place of God. And just as Christ demonstrated humility for us, there's also other demonstrations of humility from the Christmas story, Mary, Simeon, Joseph, you know, the, the list. But there's also demonstrations of pride and arrogance, which would be Herod. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I want my way. I want to be king. I don't want anybody else to be king. I want to be king, which always leads to destruction and chaos and turmoil and bitterness and resentment and murder. That's that's where it always leads you. Pride and arrogance lead you to murder. And you're you're going to execute relationships. You're going to execute friendships. You're going to execute any good that's happening in your life because it has to. You have to be king. But when you realize I'm actually not king. Right. God is king, and there's no possible way for me to ever really know what he's doing. My response is not to know what he's doing. My, or, or my expectation is not to know what he's doing. My expectation from him is that I would humbly and obediently respond to him in whatever he's asking me to do. That's what God calls us to. But arrogant, prideful people can't do that. Only humble people can do that. Right. Only humble people can say, I don't know what this is. I don't know how this plays out. I don't know why God has chosen me. But I'm going to be obedient anyway. And, you know, I, almost every character in the New Testament, or around the Christmas story, rather, are presenting you with this kind of di- dichotomy. How will you choose to respond to this? How will you choose to respond to the the greatest news of all the world, which is Christ coming into the world to save sinners from their sin. But he's also breaking into our world to save us even from ourselves, from our selfishness, from our pride, from our arrogance, from our small-mindedness. 
He's breaking and he's saving us, Matt, and he's using us for a purpose that's that that's bigger and greater and larger than any scale that we could have imagined. One of the encouraging people in the in the Christmas story to me is the wise men. I in the the uh, mystery that kind of surrounds them, all of the unknowns um, are just they're intriguing to me. But one of the things that's most intriguing to me about them is how God providentially used them in a season. So unbeknownst to them, you know, whatever it would have been, five months, six months, 10 months, 12 months earlier, they load up camels and they load up gold and frankincense and myrrh and probably other gifts and then travel to some region of the world that they'd they'd never been. And God uses their giving of gifts to substantiate Mary and Joseph moving to Egypt and living in Egypt for a season to protect the Lord or, or yeah, to protect Jesus. And, you know, I look at that story and think they must have had a moment where they were like, this is too much. You know, they like, why are we packing all of this? You know, what? who needs all that? You know, there, there had to be these moments where they're crossing the middle of the desert and they're thinking they're never going to find where this star lands they had to be all kinds of, of doubts and questions in their mind, and yet God providentially used them unbeknownst even to themselves. Hmm, and, yeah. you know, I think about that in our in our own lives. I think, how many times do we feel like, this isn't even worth it? What a waste. Am I, am I just spinning my wheels? Am I just wasting my time? And yet God uses us in ways that only eternity will ever fully reveal how we've been used by God when we humbly and obediently respond to him, you know? And you, th- you think about just like in just practical terms, um, you, you leave a, a track, like, you know, we all do that, a track at the gas station, a track with the waiter, a track at the, you know, through the drive through And you think, you, you left a track and you drove away. And you th- you're like, is that even worth it? That person even read it, you know? And only eternity you ever, do you ever really know that. Mm-hmm. I was telling my class that the other day. I said, I can count. There's probably about half a dozen really good families in our church today who are in our church because somebody left a track on their door. And then, you know, Teen Soul, when he went through that neighborhood, left a track on their door. And a few months later, that family was in crisis. They didn't know where to turn. And here's a track sitting in a, in a drawer or on their desk or something. And they call the church and they, or they end up coming in. And it's just mind-blowing to me how God does that over and over and over, you know. You, you never know what a passing word of encouragement to somebody in the hallway at church, how God just uses that to encourage that person in a season where they would have otherwise been discouraged and depressed. And God just used your kind word providentially to lead them, you know, through a season where where they were otherwise hurting. And you think that God does this over and over and over. And there's all kinds of examples like that in the scripture where maybe we aren't leaving gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? But we're leaving kind words or we're doing, you know, good acts or good deeds or good gestures. And God uses that in a way to encourage his work in the heart and lives of his people. 
There's a seventh grade girl in our school came running down the hallway the other day, and she had a little card in her hand. She said, hey, I, I have this for you. Here you go, Pastor. And, you know, so she runs back to class and opened the card up. And it was just the kindest little letter. And honestly, it was the, it was the middle of the week. I was frustrated. I was discouraged. And I read the little note, and it was exactly the encouragement I needed, you know, to just like, hey, it's a tough week, tough time, whatever. But here's, here's someone taking time to articulate an expression of thankfulness, which she'll probably never fully understand, was exactly what I needed in order to encourage me in a, in a, in a difficult time. So, it, you know, if you think God can do that with the wise men and God can do that with seventh grade girl writing a note, but God can do that with you. And Christmas is a great time of the year to just be reminded of that. Like you mentioned, you could be, you could have the humility of Mary and make those kinds of decisions and the obedience and, uh, and, and I guess perseverance of the wise men, or you could have the, the pridefulness of Herod, but God will use both of them to accomplish his plan the yes. way he used Herod and the terrible things that happened to fulfill prophecies that Herod had no idea about that, that Joseph really didn't understand. Yeah. But we see God's plan. He, in, in his sovereignty, he knows what he's doing and that and all that we can trust him and, and we should make the choice to not be that that person but to to choose to be the mary and the wise men and the joseph herod is a herod is a genesis what is it 50 20 moment you know what you meant for evil god god meant for good and herod thinks i'm gonna show you i'm the king look what i can decree look what i can do but he's just a pawn. E- even, even in his pride, he's just a pawn. And the Lord moves pawns where he wants them. And, you know, you, it's like you're saying, you, can, you, you will be used in service for the Lord. You can choose to do that willingly, gladly, and, you know, submissively. Or you'll do that mm-hmm. stubbornly, arrogantly, and pridely you know, proudfully, but God will still accomplish his purposes. Which is really encouraging when you, when you feel like oppression and like, man, why is, why is God not letting this happen for me? Or why is, why are these negative things happening to me? Mm -hmm. Like, well, God doesn't always do things the way we thought he would do. He used, he used something terrible like that to accomplish his will. And in this oppression that we're facing or that you're facing in your situation, that's, that's inside of God's plan too, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. That, that can be encouraging to understand that, hey, he's, he's still got his finger on the pulse. He knows what's going on. Well, going back to what you said about just the way that God was working through the wise men, we, you know, we want it to be the big things. We, we picture that God will work in our life through the big things. When I reach this platform, when I preach in this room, when I'm given this opportunity, when I'm given this promotion, when I'm given, we picture of these big moments where we, accomplish great things for God but I think eternity will show that the greatest things that that I or you or anyone listening will accomplish is actually in the small moments it is in the the kind words we share with an individual that actually change the trajectory of their life that we won't know about and as much as we highlight and look to and dream of the big things we got to be careful not to lose the little things because that's where we have our greatest impact. Some some of our listeners will recognize this name. His name was Ed Morgan. He was one of our deacons when I was first pastoring. And we were 
it was just a really difficult season for a little bit. And it seemed like every day I had a lunch meeting or, you know, dinner meeting or a coffee session with somebody who wanted to complain and gripe and get mad. And they didn't like this. They didn't like that. And they were leaving, you know. And I remember Ed called. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd been pastor maybe a year, and it was just like it seemed like one right after the other. And Ed called and said, "I want to I want to go to lunch." And I went, oh, "Okay, fine. You know, here we go. You know, what's his list gonna look like?" And we go, we sit down for lunch, and um, I said, "You know, we get all the little, you know, trivialities out of the way, you know." And uh, I said, um, "You know, what can I do for you?" And he said. Oh, nothing. I said, well, nothing. What do you mean nothing? He was like, no, I just want to have lunch with you. I said, for what? <laughs> like, is, is nothing, you don't want to even talk about anything? You're like, there's nothing you're upset by? And he's like, no. I just wanted you to know that there's people in this church who love you, who care for you, we're here for you, we'll support you. He said, I, I think you're doing a great job. You know, Just keep it up, keep your eyes on Jesus. And that was like a whole lunch. And it was the most memorable lunch I've maybe ever had as a pastor, you know, because it was a season where it just felt like domino after domino after domino after domino kept falling. And and this guy just wanted to go and just encourage me. And it's like, it's like to your point, you know, like it, it, he'll probably never know this side of, inter- of eternity, how much I needed that. But the Lord used him in that because he was sensitive to the Lord in it. In those small, ordinary moments of life where we choose to respond in example of Christ, let this mind be in you, which was in Jesus, where we respond in that same example, it is where the greatest impacts are normally made. When I think about Christmas too, though, I think, you know, Christmas is really a lesson in in waiting, which I'm terrible at waiting. <laughs> Um, it's why I already gave Amanda her Christmas gift you know, <laughs> and um, why I'm begging her to give me mine already. Like, just give me the Christmas gift. You already got it. Why wait? What's a day? What's what's two days, you know? Um, but Christmas is a lesson in waiting. And, of course, the Bible teaches us the importance of waiting and uh, waiting on the Lord. So what we want to give you for the next few moments is just give you a couple uh, ideas of how we wait and how we wait on the Lord. And um, if you're listening and you find yourself, maybe you're in a season of waiting, waiting for a promotion, waiting for a job offer, waiting for a husband or a wife, uh, waiting for, you know, some kind of, um, you know, miraculous moment in your life. If you're in that season of waiting, okay, here's just, we want to help you. Here's how you wait. That's what we want to talk to you about for the for the next few moments. So Here's what we'll do, guys. I'll I'll give them kind of the big truths, and you guys you guys fill in the gaps. All right, we'll we'll do it that way. Sound good? Mm-hmm. And uh, when when we wait, how do you wait on the Lord? Here's the first one: When you wait, you need to consider your eyes. And what we mean by that is, keep your eyes on Jesus. So looking to Jesus is so important as you wait. And that may sound simple, um, but it's definitely more simple to say than it is to do. Because oftentimes we get discouraged, we get distracted, because while we're in our waiting season, we take our eyes off of the Lord, and we put our eyes on um, other things and other people around mm-hmm. us, which which gets us discouraged and uh, keeps us from from learning to wait on the Lord. So 
How do we wait on the Lord? It's the first idea, and we'll kick it around here, whoever wants to jump in on it. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I think my one of my favorite stories in the Bible about about keeping your eyes on him and waiting is in First Samuel with um, Jonathan. And it's the story where Saul and the whole army is scared, and Jonathan tells his armor bearer, like, hey, like, the previous chapter, God has still promised us the victory. Although, you know, they demanded a king, and God was already their king, God says, hey, I'm still with you if you trust in me. And Jonathan says, hey, like, we're going. Like, like it's, it's happening. And the, the, the story is so cool. And you, you, he gets to the valley, and in that valley, he tells, Jonathan, he tells his armor bearer, and he says, look, like, God has already given us a victory. Like, we, we know that we have it, but we're going to show ourselves. And if they say, come get us, then, hey, we know that God has given us this battle. And if they say, we're going to come get you, we know, hey, like this, this isn't God's timing. Let's pull back. Let's regroup, and let's do this again. So I feel like, like a lot of the times in my life, I, I do a good job at waiting whenever everything is going bad. And then the second I start getting on the up and up and I, I start like making strides and I'm taking steps in the right direction and I'm doing good, I start thinking, I can do this on my own. I, I don't need to wait. I'm, I'm already at a steady walk. Like I, I can run and I try to do it in my own power. And I, I try to just, just push ahead and I can do this. I'm strong. And that's when I just end up falling right back on my face. So in that story, Jonathan says, hey, we're going to wait on the Lord's answer. We know we have the victory, but we're going to wait to see if it's his timing. Mm. And sure enough, God says, yes, Jonathan goes and beats a whole garrison. So for me, like waiting is just like, it's letting go and letting God. And even when things keep going good, you can't just fall back on yourself. You have to keep leaning on him. That's good. The second point here on waiting is not just consider your eyes, but also consider your desires, and that is live expectantly for Jesus. So we must remember, as we pointed out with Simeon, that we're waiting for Jesus to come again. So real purpose and real meaning in life comes through a patient expectation of his soon return, whether that would be by death or whether that be by the rapture. We're looking to see Jesus again. In the Bible, it's known as our our blessed hope. We're living for hope of a future with him. So whatever our lives are marked by, defined by, or what we have experienced in this life here, we have a great hope that we'll see Jesus again. So learning to wait is not just looking to Jesus, but it's living expectantly for Jesus to come. Which that has a lot to do with priorities, because if you're waiting, you're you're doing something that's oftentimes unnatural where you want you want what you want and you want it now and living with that kind of anticipation and adjusting your desires to saying no I don't have to have what I want now I'm willing to adjust and in like you said change my desires to be what God wants for me that's a, that's a lot of like we were mentioning before humility and submission involved in that the uh, third point here I'm waiting consider your eyes consider your desires but here's the third one consider your feet Move forward in obedience. Sometimes we think waiting on the Lord means we must stop everything, but that's actually not true. God may have you waiting in one area of your life, but there are other areas of your life that you need to move forward in obedience in. So while you're waiting in one area, you should continue to be faithful and responding in obedience to the Lord in the other areas of your life. So consider your feet. 
it goes back to what you said that the pattern we have for the way that we wait and hope for the return of Jesus is, should be the way that we hope and wait for everything. Because there's, if we live in that way, if we live with this blessed hope, then there's never a season of a Christian's life where they're not waiting. So the way that we wait for Jesus' return is the pattern for how we wait for everything else that God is doing in our lives, which is A, the promise that he'll do it in the best possible way, better than we could dream of. B, the promise he'll do it in his timing at the moment that he's appointed. And C, that he'll do it for our ultimate good. The way that it works out will have my best interest in God's mind. And we know those things to be true about the return of Christ. So we can know those things to be true about each and everything that we wait on. That the when it happens, it's will happen how God wants it to, when God wants it to, and for my good. So yeah. I can wait for whatever moment that is, because that is the best moment for it, despite what I think it is going to be. I think on this point, too, it's important to point out, like, just because you're waiting on God in one area doesn't mean you're disobedient to God in other areas. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get married one day, so I'll just sit over here casually on the side. and well, You have other areas that you need to be obedient in. Yeah. And a lot of times this happens, especially with young adults. Well, I'm waiting... I'll get serious about serving God one day out here. You know, I'll get serious about serving God when I get a career or I get married or I get my apartment or I get my car. Then I'll serve Jesus. But, well, what about now? Right? Move forward in obedience means yeah. you obey the Lord now. So simply because you're waiting on the Lord in one particular area for one particular thing doesn't negate obedience in the other areas of your life that you already do know the Lord is calling you to or asking you to follow him in or waiting is not idleness yeah, right they're absolutely. different the fourth one here on waiting is just consider your heart and what we mean by that is to continue in unity and fellowship with other believers uh, a lot of times what happens while we're waiting on the lord is we start putting our eyes on other people i think about that uh, example in the scriptures peter says well okay i'm gonna go and live for you preach pentecost and die but what's john gonna do and Jesus says, essentially, it's none of your business. <laughs> Whatever I have planned for him, I have planned for him. And what I have planned for you, I have planned for you. And a lot of times in our waiting, we put our eyes on other people and we get, we get filled with um, jealousy or envy to, for what God is doing for them. Or B, we get filled with pride and self-righteousness for how God is using us because look how they're not doing and so we've, it, the temptation is we fall off the wagon on either side. Yeah. So when we're waiting on the Lord, we're continuing in a heart, we're, we're, we're considering our heart, we're continuing in unity and fellowship of other believers. Not everyone is the same place on their journey with the Lord. And whether you're ahead, in quotation marks, okay, ahead of someone else or behind someone else in your journey, doesn't make you or better or worse, you're still supposed to wait on the Lord. We have to know ourselves in this area because me and my wife laugh because we will both periodically take breaks from social media for the purpose of our own spiritual health. And uh, when she gets there, she says, I just I need to get off for a while because I'm in this comparison trap. Like I, I see what God's doing for other people. I see the steps that I want for our life and I believe will come for our life. But other people get them first and I play this comparison game. I just need to step away. And I'm the opposite way. I'm like, I get on social media and I think how stupid everyone on there is. Like, I am so much smarter than you. Like, I am so much better than you because I see the stuff they put on there. So I have to step away for the, for the opposite reason. But yeah. 
both of us have to step away, right? They're whether we're comparing up or comparing down is not yeah. really relevant. You got to know yourself and know your tendencies, which way it is. But it's true that almost all of us will go one of those ways, if not both, at different times. Yeah. The uh, last one here on on just learning to wait. So just we said a couple of things. Keep your eyes. Consider your eyes. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Consider your desires. Live expectantly for Jesus's return. Consider your feet, more, move forward in obedience. Consider your heart. Think about fellowship, relationship with other believers. We're striving for unity. And number five here, consider your mouth. And what we mean by that is be careful what you say. Be careful how you say it. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, oftentimes strength, unity, encouragement, joy, love, that can be expressed through the things we say. But the reverse of all of those things are just as true. Grumbling and discontentment and resentment and even bitterness can be planted in the heart or mind of someone else because of something we say. And if we're truly people of God, we, we want to guard the things we say to other people about our own heart and our own condition. But we also want to guard what other people hear because it might bring up something in them that perhaps is not for their good, not for not for their glory. So consider your mouth and watch what you say. And what we ought to strive for is let, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So as you wait, strive to wait in these ways. Yeah. And uh, let's trust that the Lord will give us a, a great Christmas season, also a New Year season, and uh, we'll, we can be confident. We can be confident in him. We're closing out the uh, podcast. We're, we appreciate you tagging along and listening. If you're still with us this far in, you've made it through a bunch of Christmas jokes. Your mama jokes. Some of your mama jokes. Some Christmas truths. Derek, where can they follow us at if this is the first time they're, they're, they're listening in? Well, you can follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or also on the Podbean website. Now, we'll uh, take you out on a quote like we always do. Uh, this is from, I'm not going to pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so we're going to say this is from Anonymous. <laughs> I, yeah, Anonymous. Jesus was born into a feeding trough with the purpose of nourishing the bodies of animals, and thus he fed the souls of men. Mm. like it. Boom. Was that by uh, Hugen Flugen? You know, I'll give it a shot. That's, that's <laughs> Craig D. Lounsdenborough. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know him. Craig D. Lounsdenborough. Good old Lounsdenborough. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> <laughs>